Hello, everybody, and welcome to day 12 of this here superhero marathon, <laughs> uh, pledge drive, uh, whatever you want to call it. I'm doing this event because it's fun, and also, I hopefully, I can uh, draw some attention to the podcast and maybe get some some more subscribers to both the podcast itself and to the Patreon. But uh, what are we here for specifically today? Well, uh, today we're here to talk about the penultimate episode of the Fantastic Four radio show, where the Fantastic Four encounters the Red Ghost and, of course, his uh, super apes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that afterwards. But uh, it's really interesting how they chose to put this radio show together. Because we actually skipped over this issue of the comic book. This is actually going back to issue 13 of the comic. And tomorrow's episode will be taken from issue 14. But if you remember, we already jumped past all this and went all the way to issue 21 of the comics when we talked about the hate monger. And so, yeah, it's really strange to... Uh, to get that far and then jump all the way back to uh, issue number 13. Uh, but yeah, like, like I've said throughout this whole thing, you know, they've, I think they were just trying to say, Hey, these are the types of villains that the fantastic four runs into and the type of types of adventures they have. And they were trying to just, you know, showcase a different villain every week. Of course they did bring back Dr. Doom and they're going to bring back uh, Submariner. Anyway, I just think it's interesting the way that they put this radio show together in the in the sequence in which it was. Maybe it doesn't matter to you. Maybe you're like, okay, you've talked about it every single time. But I don't know. I just find it interesting. But it's definitely understandable, you know, why the radio show failed. Well, not because of the content. I think the content is interesting. But despite some of the quibbles I've had about the sound. But just because, you know, the 70s were not known... <laughs> it was not the golden age of radio. And there were several attempts in the 70s and 80s. And, and some of those I enjoyed, like I, I do enjoy this, even though, you know, it does seem rushed as far as the audio production goes. But hey, I, I'm just a just an amateur podcast producer here. So what do I know? <laughs> uh, so anyway, let's get into the episode and and we'll we'll talk all about it uh, afterwards. Uh, but for now, I'm going to get out the old Wamperdime radio tuner here. I got it all set up, and uh, we'll crank it up. Come with me as we journey to the moon. Sing the world of tomorrow. I have nothing from the world of tomorrow. You want the world of tomorrow, Alice? <laughs> want the world of tomorrow? I'll give you the world of tomorrow. You're going to the moon! We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. 
because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. Attention, all true believers. Marvel Comics is on the air. Out of the pages of the world's greatest comic magazine come the adventures of the Fantastic Four. This week, our superheroes travel more than 200,000 miles from Earth in an attempt to preserve the political integrity of the moon as the Fantastic Four face the menace of the Red Ghost. Also, later in this spellbinding tale, we'll meet the most dramatic being of all time, the mysterious Watcher. Stan and the fantastic cast will be with us in just half a moment. Thank you. Our trip to the moon began many years ago when man first longed to touch the lunar surface. For the Fantastic Four, it's really just about to start. It's twilight now in New York. At the Baxter Building headquarters of the world's greatest superheroes, all is quiet until... That came from Reed's lab. I'll meet you there. Flame on. You big show-off. Boy, look at this lab. Hey, Reed. Where are you? What a mess. Looks like a bomb went off here. No sign of Reed. You stay back. I'll clear some of this away. Hey, Reed. Where are you, guy? Now stop trying to worry us, huh? You blasted rubber bear. Come on, speak up. Maybe I can spot him by flying over the debris. Reed! Hey, Reed, where are you? I'm okay, little buddy. Here. The fumes in here could extinguish your plane. Huh? What? There you go. Out of danger now. What are you trying to do, blow up the joint? No, old friend. I was experimenting with a new type of energy for rocket propulsion. It was just more powerful than I had thought. Oh, Reed, I was afraid we were under some kind of attack. I was hoping I was going to get another crack at Dr. Doom. Look, the floor, it's still glowing. Yeah, you'll able to get a hot foot. Oh, quit clowning, Ben. I believe I've found a new booster fuel. What's it made out of, Reed? It's composed of substances found in meteorite craters. You see, many years ago, a meteorite fell in Siberia, flattening a hundred square miles of forest. I suspect that the Russians have developed their powerful rocket thrust by using energy from that source. I've been extensively studying some meteorites that have fallen in our country. And then, last week... I was right. There is limitless energy contained within these rocks from outer space. And now I've found a way to harness that energy. All I need to do is expose this meteorite bar to the correct amount of radiation, and it will furnish the power necessary to send a huge rocket to the moon. Oh, Reed, with all the excitement, I almost forgot to give you this message that came in over the teletype just before the explosion. Well, this is interesting. What is it, Chief? Yeah, let us in on it. It's from General Thunderbolt Ross. The guy from the Joint Chiefs of Staff? Yes, the chap that got us back working on Dr. Doom. He says that the CIA has confirmed some earlier information regarding Igor Kragoff. What information? Who's Igor Kragoff? I first heard about him three weeks ago when General Ross told me... His name is Igor Kragoff and he's developed a new energy source that will permit him to travel to and from the moon with almost no fuel costs. We're told that he intends to lay claim to the moon and take command over the Earth from there. We know that he's completely crazy and that most of this information is probably incorrect. But it does come from reliable sources. And now this wire confirms that information. Igor Kragoff does exist and is apparently headed for the moon. So by the end of the week, as soon as I have finished converting our rocket, I'll be on this area here, 
the mysterious sea of size. Wait just a cotton-picking minute here. What do you mean, you'll be there? This ain't no solo deal. Oh, Ben, not a chance. It's too dangerous. I couldn't possibly let you risk your lives. But, Reed, you'll need us. Trouble is, we've let you boss us around too much. Ben, cut it out. You don't know what you're saying. Don't kill him, you big lunk. No, I'll just rough him up a little. Put some sense into his stretched out little mind. Ben, let go. Okay, Ben, okay, you're dead right. We are a team, and we all have our own special talents. We'll all be needed. And at that same moment, on the other side of the globe, another strange experiment is in progress. That's right. When you see the red light flashing, you turn the escape wheel. You have learned your response as well. Only a genius such as Igor Kragov could have trained you, a gorilla, to operate certain functions of our spacecraft. Another test in your education. That's right. Put on your magnetic shoes. Well done, my monstrous slave. And here is your reward. A nice banana. Behave yourself while I go play with your other schoolmates. Stay back, you. No good yet. It's important that you stay vicious. And finally, you, the most brainless beast of all. But then, you don't need brains for your work. Here is your reward. You are the only orangutan in the world that can actually use tools and repair machines at my command. Ah, at last my crew of apes is ready. And now we shall go to the moon and claim it for my own to start my empire. And, as fate would have it, at the exact moment in two different hemispheres, a similar launching is about to take place. Is everybody strapped in? Get settled, everyone. Remember the high gravitational pull just after blastoff. Fifteen seconds and counting. The weather station at Cape Cod says there are some high winds about 20,000 feet up. Now then, everyone safely strapped and comfy? Comrade Gorilla, watch for the green flashing light, and then you'll know to switch the firing mechanism to activate. Four, three, two, one. Blast off! The flashing green light. The great moment is at hand. But Igor Kragov's present mission is more than just reaching the moon. Kragov has studied the history of the Fantastic Four. If the Fantastic Four were able to get their powers by being bombarded by the cosmic rays, then my ex and I shall have greater power still. In our transparent plastic nose cone, we shall have no shielding from the cosmic rays. Whatever dosage the Fantastic Four received, ours shall be even greater. I, Kragov, shall be lord of the solar system. Now it begins. I can feel the rays passing through me. And even the apes, they can feel the change. Meanwhile, in their own ship, the Fantastic Four are safely guarded from the mysterious rays. This new guidance system is much smoother, Doc. If there's anything you'd like me to... I can see another craft on the scope. Looks like it's headed on the same course as us. Could I be seeing it out this port here, Johnny? Sure could, sis. Where, Sue? Just over there. It must be Kragoff. Good. This will give me a chance to test that new atmospheric chamber you designed for me, Reed. You want to go out there? Sure. This job keeps an artificial atmosphere around me. It'll be a gasser. And a few minutes later... Holy smokes! Kragoff's ship is transparent. And it doesn't have any shielding from the cosmic rays. And there's no one aboard except... That must be Kragoff and some apes. How could we pass through the cosmic rays? We shall see what miraculous powers we have. 
Simply pointing at Johnny Storm repels him in the same way that two similarly magnetized poles repel each other. Uh, where is your hooker? I've got to get back and warn the others. Tradeoff and his apes are more of a menace than we thought. You got back just in time, Johnny. The oxygen in that atmospheric chamber doesn't last forever. Some astronaut. You don't even know when to come in at it. Was so excited by what I saw. I didn't notice my air supply, but listen to this. Several hours later, the Fantastic Four's great craft is slowly descending to the moon's surface. You're right on target, Ben. That new meteorite energy pile works great. The ship's skin probes indicate an atmosphere on the surface. Well, that's impossible. I can see what looks like the ruins of an ancient city. So man isn't the first on the moon. And not far away, another alien craft is landing. Our new powers greater than the Fantastic Four. We shall rule the entire solar system. The air here is very pure, Reed. We won't need our mass. How is this atmosphere possible? With this lighter gravity, I can really fly. Flame on. This is going to be great. I wonder where that other guy, Kragoff, is. I'm going to scout around for him for a while. I never thought I'd actually be on the moon. Hey, Reed. Sis. There's some kind of ultra-modern house over here. Someone must be living in here. Come on, Sue. Let's have a look. This low gravity and your ability to stretch sure makes us move. It's only a... Wow, the moon. Look at the earth up there. Get these rocks, huh? Oh, look at that one go. What? That rock turned into a battle. And there's two more. They must be with the torch saw. Let go, Flasher. Take your hairy mitts off of me. And off my pants. Leave that grotesque thing to me. What? You have seen the deflection of our power. Now you will be defeated as never before. Prepare to meet the red ghost. Ghost most. Who do you think you're kidding? One quick shot ought to set you straight. Ah, where'd he go? <laughs> now you know. I can make my body invisible like your certain storm, but also intangible like a ghost. So what? With my mental powers, I can will any part of my body to become solid instantly. Solid enough to pick up this stone and put down your weapon. The thing, the red ghost, and the three super apes stand in shocked amazement before the one who appears to have come from nowhere. Cease this useless conflict. 
The Watcher will not permit it. The three apes are captured in individual globules of shimmering synthomatter, and then the strange, rich voice is heard again. Hear my words, you of Earth. I come from a world so far from here that you do not even suspect its existence. My people roam the entire universe, watching, observing other worlds. But during our eons of watching, we have never once interfered. Never have we made our presence known. Until now. Now, I have broken our Watcher's silence of centuries to save you from your savagery. You think you can stop Kragos, Kress? Shut up, let him finish. Sooner or later, your nations may engage in a war which will devastate your entire planet. That is not of my concern. But you have brought this moon into the conflict. This moon is my home, and I will not tolerate warring peoples here. Instead, you, and only you, will fight it out, here and now. I have spoken. He's fading away. Well, Mac, if we're gonna settle this, there's no time like now. Fool! You cannot even touch me! I shall defeat you all! But at just that instant, unaware of what has transpired over the short horizon, Mr. Fantastic, searching for Ben Grimm, stretches out and... I found him, Sue. I'll signal Johnny. There you are. We've been looking all over for you. We found this strange house that we want to show you. So, you found him, eh? Finding me ain't nothing. Wait till the Watcher finds you. The Watcher? What do you mean? I'll try to explain, but it ain't going to be easy. Well, here's the place. You've met the man that made this house? This house is okay, but the Watcher himself can do anything. He wants us to duke it out with Kragoff and let the winner determine the future of the moon. Who is this Watcher? Look, that must be him inside. And slowly, the Watcher becomes visible to all the Fantastic Four. He stands in his great transparent chamber. The Watcher. With his vast powers, he's able to manipulate the very fabric of space and time. I shall bring both warring factions together in a vast, secluded combat area here upon the moon. As soon as the thought has passed through the Watcher's mind, the Fantastic Four find themselves swept upward in a floating, spinning whirlpool of sheer energy, bringing them to a wide chasm in the moon's sea of storms, the site for the most crucial battle of their career. What an amazing place! A civilization hundreds of years advanced from ours must have lived here hundreds of years ago. That ancient city you saw through the port as we were landing. Well, don't go souvenir hunting. The Watcher must have put Kragoff and his apes here, too. I hope so. If that guy wants a fight, I figure we're just the ones to give it to him. This is all wrong. We shouldn't battle Kragoff. Why can't we all explore space together as one brotherhood of Earthmen? It's real noble, Stretcho, but Kragoff ain't buying it. He thinks him and those apes can lick us and claim the moon for God knows what. Hold on, Rockman. Nobody is strong enough to defeat the Fantastic Four. That horrible man and those dreadful beasts probably watching us at this very minute, waiting to strike. Right you are, female. And the first to move shall be the first to experience my freeze, God. 
Look out, Johnny. If it gets you, you'll... Oh, Oh, he's got Sue. Come on, Matchstick. We're always looking for action. A couple of fireballs ought to warm things up. But the torch meets his first setback when the super baboon becomes a sheet of thick asbestos smothering Johnny's flame. The thing rushes to Johnny's aid and the red ghost barks out in other order. A ton of fighting fury in the form of a maddened gorilla springs on the thing. Not how he fights a winning battle, but how bravely he faces hopeless odds. Just let me get in one haymaker! But before the thing can get within range... That's it, comrade gorilla. We've done it! Our exposure to the cosmic rays has made us even more powerful than the Fantastic Four! This solar system will be ours! This ape's magnetic-like power holds me so tight that I, I can't move. Bring her to this strangely powered car I found. Your eight playmates will be along soon, and we shall all be gone before the others can recover. Seconds later, using a vehicle designed by an unknown race, the Red Ghost, along with his super apes and Sue Storm, is speeding through an underground tunnel. While on the surface... Hey, what happened to you, Thing? I got mugged by a gorilla. Now skip the dumb questions and try thawing out Mr. Useless over there. And a few minutes later... Oh, that's better. Thanks, fellas. I would have died from exposure soon. Kragoff and his apes made off with Sue, right? What's our next move? Brother, there's another brilliant question. Well, they're at least as strong as we. When we find them again, we'll outthink them. If that means we gotta use our brains, then we better leave this squirt behind. Go suck on a rock, you big axe. There's no time for bickering, you two. We've got lots of work ahead of us. Here's my plan. And under the guidance of Mr. Fantastic, the Torch and the Thing create another vehicle, one capable of following their quarry into the dark subterranean labyrinth. At last, it is finished. Good work, fellas. It's crude, but it'll do the job. Are you kidding? How are we going to power this tin can? We've got a ready-made motor. Torch, jump inside the cylinder and proceed with our plan. Okay, Doc. What's the story here? You'll see. Flame on! You mean he's turned you into a human jet engine? Right on, pal. Reed's gonna follow on foot. Perhaps in all these scientific devices left by that ancient civilization, I can create a weapon that will defeat the Red Ghost. Meanwhile, less than a mile away, a mile almost straight down. So you see, Susan Storm, you cannot escape from this chamber. And this force field can keep my super apes from those packages of food. The hungrier they are, the more they seem to obey. Gloat for now, but when Reed, Johnny, and Ben find you, you're gonna get yours. Find me? I want them to find me. In fact, it's time for me to go lure them here. This locked door will keep you a prisoner, but nothing stands in the way of the Red Ghost. I must find a way to terminate his force field and free the ape. There must be a control somewhere. Wait, here it is. Have I broken the circuit? The apes will be free. At the same time, unaware of what has happened in his absence... Here he is, Johnny. He just came out of the wall. They see. Gotcha. 
My plan is working perfectly. Now to go back through this wall. Before you undoubtedly burn through this stone to get me. And as soon as he appears, this ancient disintegrator ray will take care of them forever. Now I'll just aim it over there. Oblivious to the deadly danger awaiting him, the human torch melts through the rock, heading for the red ghost. Johnny, wait. Sis, you're safe. Yeah, but a deadly ray gun of some sort is aimed right in your path. It's not affecting you. I guess it doesn't affect anything below the visible light spectrum. Well, whatever it is, I'll make sure it doesn't menace anyone again. You blasted rat! You've escaped my trap, but I'll get you yet! It's Kragoff! There you are, Mr. Untouchable. Let's see if heating the molecules in the air itself can make it too warm for you. Escape is such a simple matter. Now I'll move my base of operations to the surface. There it is, the headquarters of the Watcher. What a fantastic explorers of scientific marvels it must be. The whole universe will be mine. There is no one to stop me, for a man who cannot be touched cannot be stopped. But as the red ghost looks around him, he finds the strange interior of the Watcher's domicile. Beyond human understanding, it's so advanced. I never dreamed of such wonders. Foolish Earthling. That voice. And with the voice, an enormous image appears before him. You have dared to serve the privacy of the Watcher? In Bahamaiko Circuit, I can transport you to a place in limbo where you will remain for all eternity. Or by expending the merest amount of energy, I could throw you a million years into the past or the future. But you, helpless human, I shall merely brush you off my presence. As one would a meddlesome flea. Be gone. There he is. Out of nowhere. Let him have it, Reed. Ah, 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 ah. Hey, that gives him a work straight. You stopped the red ghost dead in his tracks. This paralysis ray operates only on Kragoff's individual body structure. If we've beaten him, then we've won. Look, at the edge of that crater. It's him, again. The contest is over. You have triumphed. Now that mankind has reached the moon, I must go to a more distant part of the galaxy to observe you mortals. We watchers must be ever apart from other races. I shall be departing soon, and when others of your kind return here, they will find no atmosphere. This artificial environment will evaporate without my presence. Remember this. No matter how far you travel in this limitless universe, you will never be alone. And now, farewell. Space is your heritage. See that you prove worthy of such a glorious gift. As the awesome figure of the Watcher dissolves, our heroes prepare for the long journey home. Red River hoses, naked grapes. Well, I'll be glad to get French back home, Reed. Yes, that National Space Agency will be interested in this meteorite energy one. source. And I'm sure that when you speak Roger. to the U.N., they'll see to it that the moon isn't dominated by one nation. We're just about ready over here. The countdown is eight, seven, six, five, and when the four, three, two, one. Blast off. 
but unknown to the weary Fantastic Four, they are heading into a still more amazing adventure, for they are about to again cross paths with two of their most dangerous foes, but that's a tale for another time. Be here again on Monday at this same time when the Fantastic Four return from the moon only to face the mighty Submariner and the sinister Puppet Master. The fantastic cast is Cynthia Adler, Bob Maxwell, Bill Murray, Jim Pappas, Terry Gerhyden. Narrated by Smiling Stan Lee. So there you go. There is the uh, Fantastic Four versus the Red Ghost and uh, his super apes. <laughs> I don't know. I've always found the Red Ghost and his super apes to be really lame. I mean, why use apes? I mean, yeah, I understand, you know, gorillas and orangutans and monkeys, chimpanzees, you know, they're teachable and you can train them to do things. And they've been used very well in in fiction and things like that. But uh, I don't know. I just can't take these super apes seriously. And, uh, you know, of course, Ivan, the Red Ghost... I mean, his powers are pretty cool. You know, he's uh, he's got the invisible girl's power, but he can also turn intangible, like uh, Shadow Cat, Kitty Pride. Um, so that's pretty cool, a combo of those powers. He really is like a ghost, like he said. So that's kind of cool. But uh, yeah, I'm, this character really never went anywhere. I think he comes back maybe once or twice in the comics. Um but he, and he's always got the stupid eight or sorry the super apes, and I like the concept of or an evil team against the Fantastic Four that got their powers the same way that the Fantastic Four did. You know, it's, it's kind of silly that more of that doesn't happen. Cosmic rays only show up when it's convenient for the plot. How many t- even just before this episode? Not counting the their origin story, the Fantastic Four have been up in space twice more before this episode. We, you, we haven't seen that on the radio show, but it, it was in the comics. They fought the Scrolls in one and uh, whoever it was from Planet X or whatever before. So they didn't experience cosmic rays when they did that. So why, why does Ivan and his super apes get irrated? irrated irrated by uh, cosmic rays when they go up into space on their way to the moon and then you know years and years later when the fantastic four is being led by the thing and he has ms marvel and crystal and the human torch or make up the fantastic four uh, him and ms marvel not that ms marvel <laughs> But anyway, she was just Sharon Ventura. She was just, uh, had super strength and things like that. But they got irritated. I should avoid saying that word. They got hit by cosmic rays (laughs) coming back from something in space. And so he became even more of a thing, you know, like thorny rocks, not just rocks. And he became more strong and looked different. And then she, Sharon became the she thing she was like a soft version 
of the thing. Didn't have a rocky hide, more of a fleshy hide, kind of like a, the original oatmeal look of uh, Ben Grimm back in the, the original series. He's definitely gotten more uh, rocky as uh, the series has progressed here. But anyway, it, it just seems like the cosmic rays don't make a lot of sense. But there have been several things, like even within the last five years, where they've talked about why they were hit by cosmic rays, why their protection wasn't enough, and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, just going back to this story, I think it's kind of funny. Why don't more people get superpowers every time they go into space and experience the cosmic rays? You know, I, th I think it would have been cool if there were four astronauts that were human that got their powers from cosmic rays and then went against the Fantastic Four, you know, as villains. You know, we have the super apes and we have Ivan here, but it, I think it would have been a lot cooler if it would have been humans. So maybe that makes me specious or something. But uh, yeah, you know, that, that, that could have been where the Frightful Four came from rather than what we got later on when the Frightful Four came on the scene which we, we won't see that in the radio show at all. But I have always liked that name of the Frightful Four. And there's been there's some pretty cool things, you know, surrounding battling the Frightful Four. But this would have been kind of a cool origin story for them if they had also received their powers from Cosmic Rays. And yeah, so... Um, but the moon, we go to the moon and it's the first time that we get to meet the Watcher who's in the blue area of the moon, uh, which has an atmosphere, and he lives there and did live there for many, many years. It's interesting at the end of this episode where he says, well, I am going to leave now because uh, you found me on the moon, so now I have to leave. But I know he doesn't leave for years and years, so that's interesting. Eventually, the Inhumans also end up in this blue area of the moon. And so, yeah, it's been used in Marvel Comics for, for a long time. But it's interesting historically, you know, this, I think, came out in 1962, I'm guessing, which was when President John F. Kennedy announced that the United States was making it their mission to go to the moon by the end of the decade, so by 1970, and of course we did go to the moon, um, 1969. So we, we, we made that, but when this radio show was done, it was 1975. We'd been to the moon six years ago, right? So it's interesting. You have Stan Lee come in at the beginning. Uh, of course, uh, we've been to the moon, but, uh, this is what happens when the Fantastic Four goes to the moon or whatever. But back in 62, this was like, wow, awesome. You know, the, the space race was initiated by Kennedy. And now we have a comic book where, hey, we're already going to the moon with the Fantastic Four. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, the Watcher is is a very interesting character. Awatu, the Watcher. And of course, he comes from a, a race of Watchers. And much has been done um, with him and with them over the years, there was some really great stuff with the uh, recent Reckoning War storyline in the Fantastic Four with the Watchers and uh, all that kind of stuff. But 
that really has nothing to do with this issue other than this is the first introduction to the Watcher. But I guess maybe getting back to the super apes, what were their powers again? So Ivan was invisible and intangible. Uh, one of the apes was super strong, like the thing. Oh, well, yeah, that's right. One of them had magnetism powers. <laughs> I think this was before the X-Men comic came out. We got Magneto. So I think this was probably the first time Stan used magnetic powers <laughs> as something uh, for one of one of his characters. Uh, and then the other one, oh, the, the other ape was a shapeshifter. Um, but I think it's also, <laughs> not only that, but Ivan has a freeze ray, a freeze ray gun. He has a paralysis ray in here. So it's not only superpowers, but uh, super weapons here as well. And I'm sorry if I'm confusing the comic and the, the radio. I think there was the freeze ray and the, and the paralysis ray in the radio show as well. Sorry. <laughs> but it's interesting. I, the episode doesn't talk about the fate of Ivan and the, and the apes. It just, you know, once, once the Fantastic Four has been declared the winner by the Watcher, he sends them on their way saying they're, they are the ones that are the victors, but it, it, it doesn't uh, talk about the fate of Ivan. So basically he was frozen in this paralysis ray and then one of the apes got a hold of the ray and Ivan couldn't tell the apes what to do anymore because they had the power. And so I thought that was interesting in the comic, but I, we didn't see that here in the episode, which is interesting. Yeah, and then when the, when the shape-shifting ape turned into uh, asbestos wrap or whatever to defeat the Human Torch, I thought that was pretty funny too. Asbestos is uh, always found to thwart the human torch. If only they knew that years later, everybody that used asbestos against the human torch came down with uh, mesophilioma and uh, had breathing problems. Yeah, why didn't Johnny have issues resulting from being attacked so often by asbestos? <laughs> it's kind of funny. But yeah, you know, this is groundbreaking lore of the Marvel Universe that is just getting its start right here in the Fantastic Four. I guess I'll complain once again about some of the sound choices here. I don't think that the Watcher's voice was done very well. They could have made that sound really cool, but it sounds pretty lame. It just pretty much sounds like a slowed down and pitched down production on somebody's voice. Where they could have got somebody with a deep voice, like they have in the the What If uh, cartoon show, right? And and that kind of thing. So anyway, I thought that choice was bad for this production. And then I thought the apes. Well, apes never work well in audio because it's either a human trying to sound like an ape, which always sounds bad, <laughs> or you just have stock footage of monkeys or apes or whatever that doesn't have nuance to it and here yeah the, the apes sounded terrible they didn't sound like apes most of the time and uh yeah just really hard to do that in audio i would have skipped well i guess the big thing is the watcher is introduced in this so that's probably why they did this on the radio show 
if it wasn't for the watcher i probably would have skipped this entire uh issue because the red ghost and the super apes never become consequential to the fantastic four so they could have done the scrolls man <laughs> well i guess we've already talked about that with the super scroll episode but anyway i enjoyed this uh despite some of the the audio production choices and i hope you're still enjoying this we only have one left this is the second to the last episode of the radio show that we have or or that exists i should say uh tomorrow will be the last last episode so then i'm gonna have to come up with something else <laughs> to bring to you here on the show but uh, we'll we'll take that as it comes at least i know what i'm doing tomorrow so i'll see you tomorrow here on the superhero marathon and uh, you journey on and uh, have a great day This installment of the Superhero Marathon has been produced under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means that you are encouraged to share this with anybody and everybody, but you can't change it, you can't sell it, and you need to let people know where it came from. never work well in audio because they that's all folks <laughs> how to make a mistake into an outtake